0: Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. So that leads me to what I'd like to share this morning. I won't take too long. Some of you actually uh, stood in the in the entryway as I was kind of practicing this in my mind, and and I won't won't betray your Christmas gift, but some of you uh, have told me what you've gotten, your significant loved one or something like that. I've heard some of those stories, and so I didn't have to ask you the question. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you the question, but first of all, I'd like you to pray. Father, today in Jesus' name, we open your word, not for us, not really for us, Father, but for you to make a connection with us, for you to take that step towards us, for you to show us how you moved through circumstances that we would call impossible to send Jesus for us. We receive your gift today. Now, Lord, will you please expand the understanding of that gift in our minds, in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's your question. How many of you in your travels and being out and about have had somebody ask you, are you ready for Christmas yet? Okay, I'm going to give you a, a little transparency here. When you don't walk in the Spirit, and you walk in what you're going through, there are times where somebody brings something up that can wrinkle you just a little bit. And so I'm, I don't remember where I was, but you know, I mean, it's just like, it's just like people everywhere. I moved to rural America to get away from people everywhere. I became a pastor so I can blame God for my solitude. Right? I mean, I shut the door of my office and, and I sit down in my big chair, which I've titled the word, and I just soak in the word. And so these people are asking me, well, are you ready for Christmas? And what I wanted to say was, that's the most inappropriate question for, for a man going through what I'm going through. You don't understand, I'm going through terrible things. Come on, how many ever had an attitude at Christmas? Nobody wants to raise their hand, praise God, because the people who give you the attitude are sitting by you. (laughs) And I thought, what does it look like to be ready for Christmas? Our world was turned upside down this year, and I don't say that to you to to solicit um, um, sympathy or pity or anything. You say, well, why are you telling us this? Because I'm just like you. I go through things. Some of the things I didn't sign up for, right? I, I I didn't sign up to wonder about what Christmas would look like this year. I didn't sign up for that. I wanted the Norman Rockwell Christmas, I want my grandchildren to dutifully come in the door, kiss me on the forehead or the cheek, it doesn't really make any difference, say, hey, Papa, you're the greatest, and sit down while I dole out to them all the stuff that I worked all year long to buy for them. Paint a picture. That's what I wanted. And this year, our family got cold, hard cash. Not because we weren't ready for Christmas, Because Christmas was a secondary thought. Now, maybe in your life, Christmas as spiritual was a secondary thought. You may not have been thinking about Jesus. You were thinking about Christmas, which what somebody means when they say, are you ready for Christmas, is have you bought all the stuff, right? Did you get everything that everybody wanted? So I'm going to show you three passages of Scripture today that is what we base our understanding of Christmas on. First one is found in Matthew chapter one. When somebody asks us, are you ready for Christmas? They're asking if we're prepared for what they think Christmas means. See, they're not asking you according to your position. They're asking according to their position. And in America, Christmas has become more than a little material. Nothing wrong. See, for all you kids who are looking here, going, "Don't say that to my parents. They won't give me anything." <laughs> Your parents are a little bit like God, even though you're on the naughty list. They keep buying you stuff. Okay, Amen. Right? Did I did I step too far? Okay, look with me if you will. Eighteenth verse, Matthew chapter one. Are you ready? I'm going to give you three answers to all you ready for Christmas. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, I love it that God put that in there, there is no doubt that they had yet to consummate their marriage. The Bible says they had not come together. She was found with child. Now stop for just a second and imagine the shock of this teenage girl finding out that she's pregnant. And all the stuff you read in the other stories, how can this be? I've not been with a man. Notice what else it says. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now it's reported after the fact, but let's just take a little time to read between the lines here. Who's going to believe a teenage girl who says I'm impregnated by the Holy Spirit? This will ruin your Christmas. And then Joseph shows up. And Joseph was a good man. The Bible says he's a good man. Notice what it says. Then Joseph, verse 19, her husband being a just man. Wow. Praise God that he's a just man. Not wanting to make her a public example which he had every right according to the, the, the rules of the law to put her out without fanfare uh, and, and so forth. He decided not to do that, but to put her away secretly. How nice is that? And he didn't want to make her a public example. So here's, here's his question. Not what child is this, but whose child is this? Right? He's not been with her. Can you imagine at the local Walmart in Bethlehem? Somebody walking up to Joseph and saying, Are you ready for Christmas? And his answer is going to be, No, I'm not sure I'm ready for Christmas because I don't know whose child this is. I'm in a mess. My life doesn't look good. In fact, somebody's fixing to get punished for this. That's how it would go. You say, Oh no, they were so spiritual. They were teenagers walking alongside a donkey, for heaven's sakes. You said, well, they should have known that. No, they didn't. That's part of it. That's part of, are you ready for Christmas? He said, I was wanting not to make, not wanting to make her a public, and I was minded to put her away secretly. How nice is that? But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, I'm going to take the Bible at face value here. He's thinking about it at such depth, he must have fallen asleep. He has a dream. Do you find this odd? That under the most significantly pressure-filled time of this young man's life, he takes a nap. This doesn't fit. Doesn't even fit the story. The Lord, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Take to you Mary, your wife... For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Well, now there's a bit of conversation that solves every problem in the world. In a dream, he heard. Here's your first point about are you ready for Christmas. Accept the reality of miracles. This is a day of Miracles. I got to tell you, I didn't have any daughters and probably that was God's grace to the female population, but I just got to tell you right now, my 13-year-old, however she would have been, came home to me and said, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Um, I'm not blaming God. There would have been shackles and chains in that young woman's future. There would have been guilt so much that she would have needed a travel agent for all the guilt trips that I put her on, just like we do in real life. But there was a miracle involved. Something you have to suspend your natural thought about. See, the reason it's so powerful to be in church on Sunday morning when it's Christmas is you had to suspend your natural thought. Probably, if you're under the age of about, I don't know, I don't know when you stop getting gifts, somewhere in a 12 to 14 year old thing where you don't really want grandma and grandpa to buy you clothes because the clothes that were in style in the 70s have gone out of style. What we think is cool isn't so cool, right? And so what you're really hoping is grandma and grandpa will shell out the bucks so that after, because you're already thinking like an adult, after the season you can go to the store and buy something, come on, say it with me, on on sale. Very good teenagers, you did that right. On sale. They're going to reduce it, right? How do we accept the miracle in this story? Are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit overshadowed. It is completely impossible for you mentally to assess what just happened to impregnate this young woman. It's a miracle. Are you ready for Christmas? You might want to start with accepting the miracle presence of the Lord your Savior. See, not just the presence. People, you know, Tracy and I are in a situation where miracles are real important to us. And you say, why are they so important to us? Because we lived our life, at least for a certain period of time, only believing you needed a miracle when you needed a miracle. You know, when things just couldn't be solved any other way, then you needed a miracle. And so you decided that when you needed one, that's when you'd believe in them. But from the very birth of Jesus Christ, you need to believe in the miracle of Christmas. Are you ready for Christmas? I believe in miracles. You say, why would you teach this right now, pastor? Well, because this is what God taught me. When I wanted to chew that person out in that store. Are you ready for Christmas? Well, do I look like I'm ready for Christmas? I have a scowl on my face. I'm frowning such that I don't want anybody to talk to me. Come on. I want to get in there and get out. I hope the credit card machine works. Right? I, I hope the, the person who, and I'm just showing you my stuff here, I, I hope the person who probably doesn't have a high school degree that's taking money at the cash registers got her act together today or his act to, to You know, right? You, come on. None of you have those attitudes, but I've had them and I can see them from where I stand. Amen. Joseph and Mary had to accept the miracle. If you're ready for Christmas, you need to consider accepting the reality of the miracle. And I would say, since it happened at the beginning, you should accept the reality of miracles, because your faith started with a miracle that you have to receive. Amen? Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Notice, if you would please, verse number 1, it says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while that guy was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. All of these things, by the way, are prophetic realities spoken hundreds of years and in some cases thousands of years previous to its happening that the Savior would come forth out of Bethlehem. Notice it says then in the fifth verse to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. We don't do that, but we could maybe say engaged, but betrothed is actually a more serious um, conversation than that. But nonetheless, here we are. To be registered with marry his betrothed's wife who was with child. Now, I don't want to read too much into this, but when it's reported, the writer just reports she's pregnant. Something happened that changed how they're going to process this. Notice what else it says. Verse number 6. So, uh, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Notice within the miracle, there's a natural progression. She didn't just show up with Jesus on her hip. She went through what we can assume is the nine-month process of being little and hiding, right? Come on. I've had, I haven't had any children. I've been involved in four children producing them I would have made a great nineteen fifties dad put me out there I would hand out cigars if that offends you that's just what they did back then and the wife is in there laboring herself until that baby shows up and the nurse comes out with a smile on her face and says to the dad it's a boy Okay, that would have been good for me but I was there during that process and let me just tell you if men had babies there'd only be one (laughs) ain't happening ain't happening twice No way, no shape, no how is that ever happening again. Hallelujah. While they were there, the day is completed. She brought her firstborn son, Seven, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, a feeding trough, because there was no room for him in the inn want to be ready for ready for Christmas again here's your here's your next step are you ready for Christmas make sure you make room for the savior make sure you make room for the savior you say well, what does that mean exactly pastor it means take your eyes off of the perfectly wrapped presents and look at the present that wasn't wrapped so perfectly the baby that was tied in strips of fabric and laid in a hay trough or whatever you think it was a very non-unnoticeable birth. This teenager has this baby with her husband by her side, literally her betrothed husband, her engaged husband. You need to work hard to make room for Jesus. See, we learned something from the beginning. What we've made room for, let me just ask you this question. How many of you have ever had to reorganize your living room to fit the Christmas tree and the presents? What'd you make room for? The tree and the presents. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying make room for Jesus. Make room for Jesus. You say, well, how do we do that? I don't know. Figure it out. You say, well, well but I don't know what that means. Of course you don't know what it means because you've never done it before. Push him aside. Make room for Jesus. You say, okay, I'm going to do that. Well, too late. I, we opened our presents before he came to church because it was only only way he could bribe, bribe our children to come. We got up really early and opened them all up, you know, and... Maybe not. How are we going to make room for Jesus? Would it be an awesome time at your house if after the presents were done, one of your children or grandchildren stopped and bowed their head and said, Thank you, Jesus, for your gift. Thank you, Jesus, for these gifts. Everything we have comes from God. Jesus started this process by giving us a gift. 1st or 2nd Corinthians says it's an indescribable gift. Isn't that interesting? There was no room for him at the end. Turn back to Matthew chapter 2. Verse number 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. I love this story. Probably these dudes were people who depended upon a, a form of astrology. And they mixed that with some understanding of prophecy. Prophecy. That throughout some sort of verbal history, this star that appeared over this area was known to represent the king. And so these wise men, supposedly, followed this star to find him. Let me ask you this question. Let me read just a little bit more. Notice in verse number 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, I got to tell you something, if you look up into the sky as a representation of what you believe God's told you and you have a hallelujah party, either you're crazy or you know something that everybody else doesn't know, because you're looking up at a star that just appeared. And by the way, I don't know other than these kinds of guys who keeps track of when a star appears. I mean, right, if you don't accept the miracle, you don't accept that that's a new star, If you don't accept to make room, you don't travel to find the dude. These things all attach to each other. If you don't accept a miracle, you don't go looking for him. Hmm. Notice it says in verse 11, when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Now stop for just a second. They saw the young child. Now I'm not sure how they knew because people of religious heritage just a few chapters after this try and take Jesus 30 years later, 30 some years later, try and take Jesus and force him to be king and he gets away from them. How did these guys know that it was the baby and not the dad? They had to accept something, they had to make room for something, and then how did they know to bring gifts I mean, this is one of the most amazing stories. In fact, if you'll read it with me, look at this very carefully. It says, they saw the young child marry his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Good choice, but I don't know how you got there. And when they had opened their treasures... Now, I tried to research some brilliance into this. But all it did, all it said was they took what they had and opened it up to the Savior... Now, I want you to hear this. They didn't necessarily prepare like fully for him. Not, no, I got these gifts. They took out of what was theirs. And they took these three things. Right? They took their travel money. They had gold. You say, well, but that was the money of the day. Exactly. They took out of their travel money, the gold... Which we now know represents some lineage of kingship. See, we've, we've <laughs> 2,000 years later, we figured out why they had the gifts they had. But nobody ever looked and said, wait a minute, these guys, these astrologers, th- these wise men, magicians in some cases, came and they opened up their pocketbook. And gave the gold. And now we say they gave the gold because it represents divinity. They gave the gold because they didn't know what else to do. Because they accepted the miracle and made room for Jesus in their hearts. That was the one that made me take up an offering this morning. You say, it's just Christmas. Don't take up an offering. Some of you are going to be paying for Christmas in March. Okay? You've done everything, and we'll have to get that paid for one of these days. Hallelujah. They opened their treasures, and they presented gifts to him. Gifts to him. Here are your gifts. Gold. He was presented gold. Gold is harvested or mined from the ground at great cost. It's representative of divinity, but where'd it come from? See, somebody had to get it out of the ground. Somebody had to dig in the ground looking for the value that was hidden there. And they gave that away. Then they gave something called frankincense. See, this was something that made the presence a smelly thing. So the last two, frankincense and myrrh, are both harvested from trees. So you have the soil and the trees, or the wood. And the way they would get frankincense is they would scar the tree, and then they would press against it to get what flowed out. It was called a resin, a gum, a sap. A representation of the life of the tree was given as an aroma acceptable to God. They harvested the tree for its benefit, and they carried it around with them so as to maybe not be without the incense necessary to make an aroma pleasing to God. But when they gave their aroma pleasing to God away, they didn't have it anymore. They had to accept the aroma of Jesus Christ as enough. They didn't need it anymore. You say, okay, pastor, you you just jumped off the crazy train here. You come up with a reason why they gave it away. They didn't need an aroma acceptable to God when they had the Savior who was acceptable to God. And then there was myrrh. Do do you all know what myrrh was used for? It was an embalming chemical. Same thing. They They would scar the tree and get this bitter sap out of it. And then they would embalm. They would would do it for the, the death benefit of that. This one was harvested from a tree that grew really, really long thorns. It was not easy to get to the bark of the myrrh tree. It would scar you to get what you needed for your death. You would become scarred. Why'd they give the myrrh away? Because they didn't any longer need to be protected from death. See, if you're going to accept the miracle and make room for him, you're going to have to take the gifts and recognize, yeah, of course he's the king. They didn't necessarily know that at that point, or at least that's my premise, They didn't necessarily just come all prepared. No, they gave away things that represented something to them because it would have been considered a dishonor not to be in the presence of royalty and give them the gold you had. Which makes no sense because the king doesn't need any more money. But it was an issue of honor when you gave your gold away. You wouldn't want to give away the very thing that gets you closer to God, the aroma, the incense that you would burn that says, this is how I get close to God. And you gave it away because you don't need it anymore. I'm going to get to God through the baby. By the way, that is a miraculous consideration. You're going to get to God through the baby. Well, good luck with that. Only now, 2,000 years later, guess what? All of you got to God through the baby. And none of you, through the baby, need protection from death. None of you, for, through the baby, need a way, an aroma, something to, to, to gather God's attention because you get it through the baby. None of you need to recognize divinity in your life because the king was born. And you don't need gold to buy your way into his presence. Are you ready for Christmas whole different picture, isn't it? It's a whole different picture. What do we do? We say, well, we're good Christians because we give a lot of stuff away. Well, who are you giving it to? When was the last time you took what represented your protection from death and gave it away? When you gave the thing that draws you close to God and gave it away. I never will forget probably 30 or more years ago, when I, was, when I was standing in my pulpit in Nebraska and God whispered to me. You know when God whispers, it doesn't make any difference what's going on. You hear it. And he said, I want you to give your Bible away. And he pointed out this guy in the back of the church. And he wasn't carrying a Bible. And I thought, well, there's a reason why he's not carrying a Bible. He doesn't know where anything is in it. You know, yeah, you get kind of critical about that. And so, you know, this is my Bible. This, I got all my good stuff in here, God. And if you would have opened that Bible, I'd written in the margins, and you know, oh, it's my favorite Bible. It's what represented coming to God. God wouldn't leave me alone until I gave it away. In that church, the platform exited into my desk, and so into my office, so I just went and got another Bible because I had a hundred of them. And I gave away what represented that thing. How many of you are prepared to give to Jesus? This is a good example. You don't need another king. You don't need the right president. You don't need the right governmental structure. You just need Jesus. You don't need that thing that draws God's attention so he'll bless you. You don't need to pray in King James language. You just need Jesus. Make room for him. You don't need any preparation for death because the Bible says it's appointed unto a man to die once. If you're dead in Jesus, you've already accomplished that. That's why heaven is in your life today rather than tomorrow when you find yourself in that place called heaven. See, that's what it represents. Can you go home today? Make room for Jesus. Believe the miracle. And do this. It's more about what you give him than what you give them. It's more about what you give Him than what you gave them. Could you do that with me today? That help? Amen? Come on, music team. Stand with me, would you please? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father... If I've made too much out of this, would you make it life to them in the parts that you have your finger on? Would you make it real to us? Would you allow for us, Father, in a new and living way to accept the miracle that this day represents? Would you allow for us, Father, to make a greater room for our Savior? And would you draw our focus to the very things that were given away essentially on our behalf when Jesus first showed up. We don't need another king. We have Jesus. We don't need a way to him. We have Jesus. We don't need to give to everyone else. We need to pay attention to what we give to you. So Father, we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.